That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. Dave here with Dr. Michelle Pobega. What's up? Hey, Dave. How's it going? Good, good, good. Very enthusiastic today. A lot yeah, of you energy. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it, and today is is mostly brought to you by Michelle's brain. <laughs> uh, guys, I hope nobody ever actually gets to see what goes on in my brain. It's just like a bag <laughs> of cats. It's quite crazy in there. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Today, today was my idea, though. Yeah, it's a great idea, actually. And uh, I think it's we can just get right to it. We're talking about the the title that we uh, that we put on the Facebook Live, which is "You Are Not Your Diagnosis," mm-hmm. and um, it's meant to it's meant to be um, I don't know meant to make you make you think like a good title should. So, what do you think of uh, diagnosis in general? I think diagnoses are very helpful. I think they can be helpful because I think people want something tangible to feel like they can connect what they're feeling with. Cause then it yes. feels like I'm heard, I'm seen, I'm this, right. It validates in some way. A hundred percent validates. That's the yeah. word. Uh, yeah. So I think it's fantastic, but I find that the symptom or the collection of symptoms or the diagnosis people have um, in some ways it can be limiting. You know, you, you often hear of those particular situations where if we're going to go to more of the extreme, somebody has cancer, they get a new diagnosis of cancer and there's two sets of populations. And one set of population is like, they become the cancer and they just let it take them to their end days. And then another subset of the population are like, I'm going to figure out what I can do to rise above this and get as healthy as I can and do whatever I can. And then they improve their quality of life dramatically. And maybe it doesn't become them. And there's all these awesome stories of like, maybe not so much in the medical literature and standard medicine practices, but like in there, but also people who source out external support, who do go into remission, who 
the wild things happen because people don't let that diagnosis define who they are. Right. And I don't know. I feel like it's always interesting when you hear those stories. Yeah, and there can be, you know, vacillations between one and the other. Right? Yeah. There's, at times you feel like I got this, I got this, I got this. And other times you feel sometimes probably rightfully like, you know, uh, a victim of defeated. Yeah. F- fate or whatever. And, and that I can suck, but then you got to pull your socks up and, and yeah. go at it again. But yeah, I mean, that's life. Like, do you think like, exactly. I'm, I, I live a relatively healthy lifestyle but I get defeated. I fall off my healthy practices. Yeah, yeah. And then I have to pick Same. up, pick myself up and being like, smack myself in the face a couple of times. Like, wake up, you know, better mm-hmm. start treating your body better. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's life, right? Life is mm-hmm. stressful. We fall off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, different things that are concerning can, can feel very overwhelming for sure. And you're right. It comes in waves. But. And, and again, this is not meant to, uh, again, uh, speak disparagingly as, as it probably could be interpreted a lot of what we do about conventional medicine. I think we're, we're big fans of it where, where it's really well done. I think everyone's, uh, yeah, that's cool. But here's one thing that I just for the sake of, cause often extremes or whatever make points easier to, mm-hmm. to discuss. And, and there is that kind of experience in conventional medicine sometimes, um, where you get your diagnosis and it's like, you know, there you go. You've got X disease. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Here's your prescription or, or not, (laughs) or not. Or it's like, just, well, you know, my favorite one is watch your diet and, and, and exercise with little, with little actual definition of what that should mean though. I wish I heard it more. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but like, watch your your diet. It's almost encouraging. It's almost encouraging that that low bar is even attempted to be, um, to be addressed. But to me, the, the strangest ones are name it and forget it. That, that, that to me is the, and that's, that's one of the, when you were, you, when you brought up this diagnosis, let's talk about diagnosis. That was one of the main things I thought of right away. I was like, that ain't good enough, you know? Yeah. yeah and even if you haven't, so named, well, well this may, yeah, maybe, maybe this is a good way to go named or not diagnosis or not. Um, you're going to work with your patient towards them uh, feeling better, probably, because mm-hmm. there's probably some aspect in, in which they don't feel good. I mean, I guess th- there are times when people have no symptoms, they say, but then I think, well, what if they talk to like Michelle or I, I mean, would we, would we find a yellow or orange flag if there wasn't any red flags or if you put enough little tiny flags together, you start to put a picture together. So when people say they have no symptoms, I'm wondering, do they actually, sorry, I'm just speaking like, I'm just, I'm just shooting from the hip here. Um, it's probably pretty obvious, but uh, it, it has something to do with knowing what healthy physiology is. Right. And that, and that seems to be another sort of misgiving of, of a pathology based view only. Mm, it's true. You know, there's, cause there's a, there's a difference of, of not having a disease and being healthy. Those are two different things. Just cause you don't have cancer. doesn't mean you're still healthy just because you don't have yeah, you also know, have to be arthritis. doesn't yeah. mean that you're still not at your absolute best. Right. And I think that people forget that. And if just, cause I don't have a diagnosis, I don't have to worry about my health. There's a little bit of that. I think sometimes too, is that yeah, kind of what you're is- getting at? 
kind of yeah and and also health is not like some static thing it's no. like a, it's it's a goal it's kind of like a uh, a north star to like aim at the process of like seeking uh improving or optimizing health rather than like ah, i'm healthy aren't i you know i can just sit here and uh, cruise well no that's not really what it's about either health is really a commitment that you actually have to commit to every day when you wake up it's not just something unless that you're having be. one of those days <laughs> yeah <laughs> right but i mean i find that there's this I feel like this is something that happens in my office often. Well, people come to me and be like, I have, these are my, these are my chief concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my labs. My doctor says all my labs are normal, mm-hmm. but they're like, but I still have this, this, and this, there are problems for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or my doctor says I have this, so I, I'm on, I have high blood pressure. So I'm on this medication or I have high cholesterol. So I'm on this medication. Um, and then I'm always like, okay, that's, that's great let's talk about the other parts of your health. And then I'm like, well, here's how things are connected. You're not pooping properly, or you have a food sensitivity and that's causing inflammation and that's making your joint pain worse for your arthritis, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're right. So it's not just arthritis. Here's a painkiller. It's how do we get rid of whatever's pouring gasoline on that fire so that you actually can manage the fire better, so to speak, which is the the, the quote unquote diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny because I came across something on my Instagram and it was a, a post and I shared it in my stories and I just want to read it. And it says how different our world would be if all practitioners diagnosed their patients by the type of drainage dysfunction, pathogen or toxicity they had versus applying a label for their constellation of symptoms followed by writing a prescription. And there is a very big difference between those things. You might need a prescription, but you still have to ask why? Why did the body break down? Because in my perspective, the body's always trying to keep you alive. And when there's a new pressure, a new, a new trauma, a new toxin, a new stressor, mm-hmm. it's going to have to make, um, it's going to have to make choices and sometimes compensate in certain ways. And then if that stressor is constant, then it's compensating in a, for an extended period of time, which then can lead to breakdown in other areas. And then sometimes that begins to snowball until you hit a quote unquote disease diagnosis. So for me, I'm kind of like, what was the snow? What was the little, the tiny little thing that before it snowballed into the full diagnosis and how do we kind of unravel that back? But before you go on to anything, let me just give yeah. an example that sort of really, I, I talk about patients a lot that sort of illustrates or, or whatever the, the, what the process that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's, um, and we'll talk about, actually, we're going to talk with Dave Nelson again, the smartest man yes. we've ever talked to. <laughs> And he's going to talk about this, I'm sure, something related to this. And, and this is, a, let's say, the diagnosis we're talking about would be osteopenia, osteoporosis. And in the short term, the body's making, so the, so the body uh, is generally uh, acidic, but because it's doing a triage of what's most important, sort of urgently important, acutely, it's maybe the blood uh, pH is 7.36 or something. And it's supposed to be like 7.38. So the body goes, okay, let's pull a little bit of alkaline reserve from bone short term. That's our highest source of mineral reserve. Exactly. So it makes sense in a short term. Okay. So that's, there's no disease happening yet. No, there's no disease diagnosis. You had that one day when you ate a bunch of chips and like fries and sugar and just absolute crap, well, your body's probably going to have to um, compensate for that uh, acid load. Cause there, and now we do have this thing and everyone, I, I'm not going to name names here, but there are people who trash this 
this idea that acid and alkaline balance because it was an old old school thing but now we have the uh, understanding of potential renal acid load which i really encourage everyone to look at it's very interesting and then you're going to start eating prunes um anyway so you've got not you got <laughs> also nothing. good for the pooper might i <laughs> yeah there's so much but that, so so no problem i guess in a day or two but if every single day you're constantly giving up a little bit of your alkaline reserve in the form of uh, bones I, i'd imagine teeth alve- alveolar bone and all that sort of stuff 100%. Um, yeah so then after a period of time a long period of time your body has been doing this sort of uh borrow credit card you know borrowing and then there's a price to pay and it's called osteopenia osteoporosis and that's oversimplified but the it gets the it gets the idea of what you're talking about there yeah yeah okay. there's a difference between an acute stressor which our body's designed to be able to handle and then come back into a state of homeostasis and chronic stressors, just like chronic stress, like we think mental, emotional stress, people start to feel exhausted after they get hair loss, they get things. It's because it's, it's been pro so prolonged that the body's had to start making these compromises and sacrifices for so long that other things are going to begin to suffer. That balance is no longer, it's, it can't recover from that because the stress is constant. So it takes a toll on the body. And there's a lot of things that can, that can contribute to that. If you're eating food sensitivities, if you have stealth pathogens, if you have gallbladder stones or a fatty liver or, and you can't detoxify properly, if you're constipated, like there's so many, like, there's a lot of things that can throw our body off of balance if it's become long-term. And Mm -hmm. then, so it's, you know, when people are like, all of a sudden I had this diagnosis and in the back of my mind, I'm like, it probably wasn't all of a sudden. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, it's been exactly. building. It's been exactly, building, and I think right? that that sort of circles yeah. back to what we're we're saying yeah. there. Um, yeah. So just to go back to the whole title, as you are not your diagnosis, it's like that's almost like the end result mm-hmm. of a chain of events that probably led to that. Aside from you rolling your ankle and having acute ankle injury, that's a very cause and effect issue. But I'm talking about these chronic degenerative diseases. Um, let me let me tell you the worst right? diagnoses, and you'd probably. I just thought of this. And again, we kind of shoot from the hip sometimes here. Fatty liver. Just no, any, any diagnosis you get that says idiopathic, Hmm. right? Idiopathic. Okay. Come on. Like, come on. That's not good enough. Yeah. This means you don't know. So, so then you have to, and you know, you made an analogy. You said, it's just like life. You know, there's ups and downs. Same thing as it's just like life. Like when a whole bunch of stuff is going to shit or you, you know, that well, what can you you don't look at what you can't do and 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 go oh well i'm screwed now you go well, what can i do and yeah. and so say you get idiopathic x y disease well what can you do okay you, it's idiopathic they say we don't know what the hell is going on that's what idiopathic basically means we have no idea uh, we're idiots <laughs> about it <laughs> and so you go but also i haven't pooped in a week i don't drink enough water i had my, you know, uh, my husband hates me and I don't sleep. Well, fix those, <laughs> like do something about those. Yeah. And maybe this idiopathic thing is not actually so idiopathic. Yeah. So- this was, um, this, this conversation was also inspired by a meet and greet that I had just the other day with a client. He came in with his wife and he has a really large belly that looks like the heart to touch belly, like that visceral fat. Um, I didn't like actually a, like a, like a, like swollen like circle, cir- yeah. circular. Yeah. He had, a, he had a bit of that. Yeah. And, uh, he complained about how he has not been able to lose weight, how he rides his bike and he, he does like bike tournaments and this and that, and he's constantly exercising and he's tried every diet. And the only one that worked 
was this one, but it was really boring and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, there's a lot more reasons why people can't lose weight beyond just calorie in calorie out. If I eat this much, I have to work out this much. It's not as simple as that. And then I started to just explain how, for example, if your body cannot get rid of toxins properly from the system, if you can't eliminate from a poop properly, if your liver can't process them properly, if your gallbladder can't squeeze and release bile properly, um, then your body's going to have these things, these, these molecules, chemicals, or, or, or metabolites refiltering through the system and just kind of recycling. And it's going to want to do something again, back to the concept of your body's always trying to keep you alive. It doesn't want that interacting with your heart. It doesn't want that interacting with your brain, your vital organs. So it tries to find a way to, um, to compartmentalize them. So more often than not, it's going to go into a fat cells or water cells. And then so people can get that bloat or they, they have a hard time losing weight. And then I said, there's a lot of reasons for that. Like maybe fatty liver, maybe gallstones, maybe. And I saw his wife wince. And then, and then I went through a couple of other examples as maybe like, maybe these are some things. And then she winced a couple more times. And then once I was done explaining to give him an understanding of like, these are the things we might have to look through. So if this is your, your jam, then we can totally work together. And his wife was like, he has three of the things that you totally mentioned. We definitely have to work with you because you know, he, he wasn't sleeping well, he had fatty liver and, and like, you know, he would get bloating after eating a meal. And I'm like, okay, well then we definitely have work to do. So, so that's where, so he's overweight, but that's not the problem. Calories in and calories aren't the problem. We have to look at it from a, how does everything work together mm-hmm. and, and, and start to unravel the why and get deeper and deeper. So I'm excited to work with this new client. They definitely booked right away. I don't think, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they've ever had anyone explain to them the limiting factors of what could be contributing to that. So, um, I think it was refreshing for them to, to start to understand things from a different perspective, but like, that's again, the whole, you are not your diagnosis. You are not your, I can't lose weight. You're not your, whatever that is. Um, anyways, I just, that's kind of where today's talk was inspired from. Cause I was like, well, yeah, again, you can take that same thing to calories in calories out. Like, it's not like calories are irrelevant. That's not what we're saying. It's no, saying yeah. it doesn't account for all the variables or all the variation in, in what you actually see right. clinically. Like I've seen some people that are quite overweight, just visually, you don't have to, um, you know, just don't have to do BMI. Like they're very overweight and, and you, you really, you, you query them, you know, what's going on here with the diet and it see it all checks out. It seems, well, mm-hmm. there's something else going on too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like calories just- in calories out. From, from, from a standard perspective of trying to watch his calories and eating doing more well that way. at home. I mean, we didn't get into the details and the fact yeah. that he exercises regularly and he likes yeah. that a part of his routine, you yeah. would think by those standards, he should be losing weight. And, and if he was doing things correctly, he should be. So it'll be interesting to see an initial visit. What is he eating? How is he over-exercising? Is it like, you know, um, so checking his thyroid, iron, all those things, blood sugar, insulin is going to be checked. Like, so, um, and then put the puzzle piece of the puzzle together. Cause if someone's by, by all standards doing the calories and the exercise component, and they're, they're not getting the effects they want, there's obviously more to the story. And it's not just obviously. about your, your diet. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I just want to, uh, you know, back to go back to what you were saying about the, you know, the, um, toxins and things like that. I think with, with the way I'm 
I don't know the way I'm where I'm at as a practitioner. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. quite, I'm kind of comfortable with not knowing a lot. Um, and I, I remember talking, like hearing lots about toxic, uh, you know, toxins and, and the burden thereof and how, you know, um, maybe that's, that's when you talk about drainage and stuff. And I've, I've used drainage remedies again. I'm just saying, I don't, I, I still don't really know how they work. There's a lot of theory and all, but like really how they work, I'm not sure. But what we, what we can't really argue with is that, um, you know, some people who eat foods are not supposed to eat and they get like this toxic weight accumulation or, you know, like when people will say, I, I ate this food, then I woke up the next morning, I was four pounds heavier. Well, you didn't eat four pounds of food. That's not calories. It's not like yeah. you ate like four pounds of butter. Yeah. And, you know, so there is something to, to what you and a lot of naturopaths are saying about this, like inf- inflammatory, toxic water retention yeah. perspective, something like that. And, yeah. and much beyond that, I'm not an expert in, I've, I've really gone down a different sort of route in my life, but I, I want to, I want to confirm clinically that, that, that perspective, if the, even if the details are different between some people, they, the perspective is clinically relevant. And, and, and I think, uh, that that's worth saying. Thanks Dave. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, I, well, I, you know, I'm devil's advocate, right? So that's, that's my, that's my job always to go. Okay. And not my job is my, <laughs> that's just what I do. How I, your brain I, works. It's my <laughs> compulsion. <laughs> it's <not> my job. <laughs> Can't my- stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm like kind of thinking maybe some people are wondering the same thing. Like, how the hell does that work? Well, I don't know, but it does. There's, there's you know, like it I, is a I, relevant I, thing. I attribute it to like inflammatory weight and toxic weight, right? Like if you have leaky gut and you're eating food sensitivities, but you're restricting the calories. That food maybe leaky, yeah, you know what? still going to cause like a buttload maybe of the leaky gut part is a major part of the i'd love to know it may we'll ask dave nelson we'll ask hey dave what do you think of inflammatory water stay retention? tuned for next week <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk with dave about uh dietary acid load and and that'll be that'll be really good too I, again mm-hmm. it's another one of those old school naturopathic things been poo-pooed by a lot of new school uh influential probably naturopaths uh which i think it just needs a more uh I don't know what's the right. I don't even know how to say it. I'm gonna get into trouble. You can't, I can't say anything without getting into trouble. I think it, it means you're need... doing. Probably means you're doing something right if you're ruffling the right feathers, Dave. <laughs> okay, Whew. Michelle thinks I'm all right. So yeah, um, there's something to it, and uh, we'll we'll learn how much is it to it. Actually, Dave did a uh, he did a paper, a journal article. I think a few months ago, I read it, and so. Um, yeah, we'll I, talk about that. I think, I think the thing is, is like a lot of traditional types of approaches to medicine worked, but we didn't always understand why it worked. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then because they didn't have the ability science wise or cognitively to test those theories out or understand them, or because they didn't make enough people the right type of money, they were never studied. That's another big thing. They just are don't you saying, get are you saying that money determines a lot of research maybe (laughs) um so they were never they were never they were never explored further and instead Mm -hmm. they were just poo-pooed on because there wasn't the research to bracket but if no one's willing to pay for the research then then you know voila um but i think nowadays i think more people are starting to look into some of those more traditional and conventional approaches and starting to find that there was a lot of like validity behind them absolutely um so 
you know, and for me, here's the thing. If I get clinical results and my clients have sustainable results and they are happy with their progress and they feel better, I'm not going to argue with the methodology. I'm going to continue to do that if it's the right thing for that client. That's, that's me, right? And because not everything is studied and researched in triple blind, placebo controlled, blah, blah, blah. Like not everything in this world is done. Like no one, some people just don't care about doing some of that stuff, especially for traditional medicine. It's just not even looked at to mm-hmm. do those kinds of studies. So, you know, sometimes you have to take all that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. And like, if it's been done for thousands upon years with clinical results, then who am I to argue? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rule nine, Jordan Peterson, assume that the person you're listening to might know something you don't. I, li- I really like that one. Jordan P. Yeah. And, and so um, in, in this case, we're not just listening to like your husband or your wife or your, your uh, political rival. We're talking about like hundreds or thousands of years of, of people coming to roughly the same conclusion. Um, we've, we've strayed from the diagnosis thing here a bit, but it's, it's okay. It's organic. And, uh, so I think there's a lot of similarities with the things we're saying, right. There's a good thing to diagnosis. Absolutely. Don't, don't be crippled by it. Um, you know, or just really, really limited. I think we said, don't just, don't just succumb to that and just not try to move forward or work beyond that or look beyond that. Especially Um, if it says idiopathically, (laughs) start looking at something else. Things don't just kind of happen out of nowhere. Guys. Yeah. Your body's pretty incredible. There's usually, yeah. and, and that might take talking, uh, it may, might take a discussion with someone who uh, looks for signs of health, not just uh, biomarkers of disease or, or not that those aren't important too. It's just, you know, you might have to take a little bit different perspective um, to move forward in whatever yeah. way you can. Yeah. And it's not just, you're right. Like, it's not just about one way or the other. It's about maybe finding the combination of it and seeing what it creates as a total picture of all the moving part, like, you know, how it completes the picture, the markers of health and the markers of disease all create a picture that Mm -hmm. helps you understand what really needs to be adjusted, fixed, managed, brought back into a state of balance. I guess what comes always back in, like in cases like this is foundations, which we talk every, every great, you know, every great guest we talk with, it, you can, you can see the foundations are, are usually part of their framework too. And it, it comes into this too. Like, I don't care what diagnosis you do or don't have, if you're not hitting at least, you know, addressing to some degree, those foundations, um, as a pr- active ongoing process rather than some like static finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Diagnosis it's handy, but there's a, it's not everything. A, it's not everything. No, it's not everything. Did you want anyone to know anything else about the limitations of diagnosis? Because I, I think I got off my chest. I think I we're good. Say. I think yeah. we covered. I think I think I said, and I think we drove home the importance of, of what I think we really wanted to to convey to the audience, and I'm happy with the outcome of that. Oh, I'll add. Yeah. So I've probably said it indirectly, but I might as well say it more precisely or directly. Some diagnoses are better than others. And, um, if your diagnosis informs like what to do next, that will help you feel better. That makes sense. And if your diagnosis doesn't, it sort of sucks in a way. (laughs) Good luck. Basically. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but you know what I'm saying though? Like, I know it's a bit obvious, but I think it's worth 
I think it's, yeah, it's worth, it's worth saying that, yeah, it's got to inform either. So if you like some diagnoses are not bad, like I'm talking about conventional medical diagnoses, yeah. uh, naturopathic diagnoses. Yeah. Some, some are actually, yeah, they're pretty good. Cause they, they're like, okay, validate. That's fine. All of the, all diagnoses, hopefully validate except for in, idiopathic ones. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Oh, I've got idiopathic. Well, you're screwed. Like, you know, what do you do? <laughs> but then the other, then there's varying degrees of, of maybe how helpful the diagnosis can be, um, uh, de- depending on like what it informs you to do going forward. Cool. All Voila. right. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Peace.